1: Hello and welcome to Table Manners. I'm here sitting next to my mother, Lenny. Hi, Mum. Hi, darling. It's a big day for you today.
2: Very big day. What
1: happened? I got my vaccine, my first dose. Now, what happened? Because you aren't 70, yeah? No,
2: I'm certainly not, darling. So
1: how did you get the call? Well,
2: I got a text from my GP because I'm going that way. And I got a text from the GP saying that because I'm a certain age... they were were able to offer me an appointment for a vaccination but they had vaccine over that day and to make an appointment and I did and it was I have to say Hetherington Health Clinic were absolutely amazing the organization was great they were so kind it was effective I went in And I got a sticker.
1: Um, (laughs) I think, I mean, you got it because there was surplus, right? It wasn't... I don't know.
2: Yeah, I think they don't want to waste the vaccine. That's
1: what they said. So you must have got Pfizer then?
2: Yeah, I got the Pfizer
1: vaccine. and My arm hasn't dropped off yet. I feel fine. Okay, great. And then it's also been a big week because Joe Biden, Kamala Harris. Fantastic. Lady Gaga sung the national anthem beautifully. Thought she was brilliant. They said she
2: was out of tune in the
1: J Lo decided to sing her own song, as you do. Well,
2: she ma- she mashed up. Oh, she mashed up. <laughs> and she mashed up, and she put a bit of Spanish in for the Hispanic and Paquito and that that poet. Oh, oh my Amanda. goodness, Amanda, Amanda Gorman. Wow, never forget that name. We should get her on the podcast. Can we get her? People were saying on. I put her picture up on Insta, and people were saying, "Can you get her on the podcast?"
1: Anyway, we. Are thrilled to have this chef on. I wish she
2: was with us. Yeah, I do too. Because she was have
1: cooking cooked... for us. <laughs> oh, she could have bought one of her DIY Cafe Murano kits. We could have bloody had one of well, them. I'd love one of those. We could have been cheeky and can awesome. I have that as a treat? Yes, mum. What are you having instead for dinner? A baked potato. I just had a baked potato. It was delicious. I'm having it steak. Oh, we just did um, Piri Piri chicken on the barbecue outside. Oh, how nice. Yeah, it was very nice.
2: So yeah, Angela Hartner And I've been doing one of her recipes. It's one of my favourite.
1: We did it for Tracy Thorne, I remember. Yeah. It was a salmon Vietnamese. It's a Vietnamese recipe. It was really delicious. Yeah. So yeah, we're fans of her. I've actually never eaten her food in one of her restaurants. There's Cafe Murano, where she does the infamous Harry's Bar Toasty along with many other fantastic go, things.
2: But she's kind of down to earth kind of person. So I've seen her on the Great British Menu and she's great on that when she's a guest chef. And I've seen her on the What's the Home Cook? Britain's Best Home Cook. She's a bit harsh sometimes,
1: but she needs to be because they're not great cooks, some of them. Oh, mum, mum, mum. Actually, I needed to tell you this. So we put out um, what would be mum's drag name. Now, there is a most fantastic chef that you should follow. She's a baker, but also the greatest eater I've ever seen on Instagram. Oh it number is... six. Oh, lovely. Number six. Sorry, I'm just doing an intro here, Mum. Sorry. Mum's checking the charts. Her name is Martha DeLacy and she runs Muff Kitchen, which is a really
2: Oh, that's a bit rude.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway Muff Kitchen <laughs> You can't have that oh, she she does do Muff Dining. <laughs> Muff diving or muff dining? (laughs) Mum, it's so filthy. She's going to love this because she's a massive fan of the podcast. And she does muff dining supper. (laughs) Stop laughing. Stop. She's an amazing baker. And I was going to get you a subscription to the monthly. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> oh, well, well, I love Martha. She's really good fun. Because um, she's made my mum laugh the most she's ever laughed in about a yeah. year. <laughs> Oh, thank you, Martha DeLacy, Moff Kitchen. And um, she said, firstly, she didn't understand Eva Longoria's bed table manner. She said the bed thing. It confused me because she explained it criminally badly. Still love you, Eva, but is it just B for bread, E for entree and D for drink? Or does she actually go to bed with rolls and lemon caper butter sole? So this is something that we will have to ask Eva at some point. However, she did also add... Also, your mum's drag queen name should definitely be Chestnut Stefado. Why? (laughs) Which I thought was very good because you were talking about a vegetarian chestnut stafado. So the first entry for my mum's drag queen name is chestnut stafado. So thank you, Martha DeLacy, who does run and don't laugh at Muff Kitchen. Oh, here we go. Can I just put my my potato on? Yeah, put your baked sorry, my mum's just putting a baked potato on. Do you want some water? Yes, sure, thank you. Angela Hartnett coming up on Table Manners.
2: Hello. Hi. I'm just so excited to meet you, <laughs> Angela. You are It's such a delight. I wish you were in my kitchen.
1: Oh, that's very exciting. Bringing nice. your own food, to be honest. <laughs> Mum's just put a baked potato on. <laughs> How are you, Angela?
3: I'm very well, I'm very well. Yeah, not too bad. Just uh, sort of keeping going with everything. I'll press record now, then I'll start. Great. Um, yeah, just keeping going through this madness Great. that is COVID and everything else that's going on in the world. It's just slightly... Oh, anyway. And then today, what did they say? May, they think hospitality is going to open up. Christ alive. Anyway.
1: Oh, what?
2: No.
3: Well, well, heard. May. The trouble is you listen to so much news. I don't know about you, but my problem is I listen to this news thing, then I read this and all the rest of it. They said they're being advised by scientists not to open up or open up gradually. So they think April, May, the earliest.
1: It's interesting because you didn't um, – please tell me if I'm wrong – there weren't that many cases of no, COVID coming out of the hospitality sector because it was already so kind of stringent
2: anyway. No, yeah.
3: that's the so, point. That's what everyone's sort of in uproar about because it's like we had the least amount of cases. Everyone is sanitised and God knows what, you know. I mean, how you taste the food with the amount of sanitizer everyone puts everywhere, you know, so it's unbelievable, but... Anyway, how are you two being? Lovely to meet you, by the way. You too. lovely
1: to meet you. Um, We're all right. Mum had the Covid vaccine today.
2: It's a massive day. Sorry,
3: you don't look old enough, Mum. I'm not, darling.
2: I'm 69, actually. Right, well, you don't look that. No, I don't look it, do I? I look like her
3: sister, really.
1: (laughs) Thank you. So, Angela, whereabouts are you right now chatting
3: to us? I'm in sort of spitterfields.
1: Wow, is that where you live then? Is that your spot? Yeah, that's
3: where I live, yeah, yeah.
1: And how has it been? You know, adapting your kitchens to you know. I know that Cafe Morano is doing a DIY home kit, and it looks glorious. And I'm, um, I wanted to know whether you were doing that anywhere else. And and how has it been? Has it been? You kind, of, do you feel like you? It's like a well oiled machine now, and it's kind of just it's working. Now I think
3: we get in there we as well get, as it can. Yeah, I mean the first, so yeah, we're down three. I mean it's nuts to think that's how we look at things now, but um. The first lockdown, we did just take away, which was very easy, and we're still doing that, just in London, and we still do that. And then the last two lockdowns, we've done these big boxes that go out nationwide, which is fantastic. We've adapted it. We've just... I've just been informed we've sold about 500. Let's do for, one, Jess. I'll send you one. Don't, yeah, I'll send you one. For, let, let me wow. do that for you. Um, I'd love one. I'll send you one of next month's. But um, so that's really busy. That's working well. And then I think we're about to launch with Restaurant Box Murano. So we've got sort of Cafe Murano with Dispatch, and then we'll have Murano with Restaurant Box. So I think what you have to do is you can't just sit back and think, okay take all the money. Let's just sit here and wait what happens. I think you've got to really try and do anything you can to support your businesses and basically support your team. You know, they want to work, they want to do stuff. So obviously, when we get them in work, and we're paying them full pay, you know, rather than sitting home taking furlough. So, um, you know, that's why we've done it as much as anything.
1: How does it work when, you know, you're within Limewood Hotel, aren't you? And so how does that work? Are you doing a similar thing there? Well, Luke
3: actually um, has just done one with a company. Um, Luke is the head chef. He's done one about all pickling and preserving and veg and stuff like that. So he's just doing one with a supplier for like a couple of weeks. Limewood, I think, in a way, it's. I mean, you guys live in London, don't you? You're South London, is that right? Yeah, yeah. I think the cities have been hit far worse than the countryside. You know, I think all the hotels, restaurants, anywhere out of London, Manchester, any big city have done okay. Not done okay, but they've survived better, I think. So they don't need to, not they don't need to, I think the logistics of them doing it is, it's easy in London because you've got all these Deliveroo guys. You know, you don't have that sort of set up in the forest. So for them, Mm. they do stuff nationwide. They do lots of gift boxes online, do sell lots of wine online, etc. Rather than doing food boxes, it works like that.
1: Angela, what are you having for Dins tonight?
3: Oh, well, we don't know, you see. We were supposed to go and have fish and chips with my mum because she's in our bubble. So Aww. basically, mum lives down in Upminster in Essex and um, we we're all planning. She's got a great uh, local fish and chip shop called High Tide, which we've been going to for over 30 years. Um, and we were going to do that. But because we were working today, we're all a bit late, so we've cancelled it. We'll go tomorrow. So I think... Probably I don't know, we might have a bowl of pasta, we're not decided yet, or we might even order a takeaway if we're lazy and can't be bothered to cook. Is your other half a cook as well? Yeah, my husband's a cook. He runs the French house in Soho. Oh my god,
1: you're like the power couple. Oh. <laughs> he um
3: he'll go and cook. The coolest something.
1: power couple. In, In
3: Oh, I love London. you. How sweet. I'll tell him that. I'll love that, yeah.
1: But the, but the French house is an institution. It's oh, like, God. you know, it's Soho.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's amazing. And he's done brilliantly. He sort of, uh, he had a really bad accident about, oh, God, eight years ago now. Um, and, and he, you know, and it sort of it has sort of changed him slightly. But, he's he, you know, he's done brilliantly. He's recovered really well. But um, this is perfect for him. You know, it's a small restaurant. He does about 30 covers a day, a day a service. He, it's him and one other guy. Leslie's there. There's a whole crew. And it is, you're right, it's an institution. You know, everyone knows everyone. You go in there and someone says, I've been drinking there since I was 12 or something. Or maybe not 12, that's <laughs> it's the law. But you know what I mean? You know, people have just loved that place. It's brilliant. Um,
2: who's the better cook, Angela, you or Neil? Ooh,
3: I think I'm the more organised cook and the more tidy cook. Um I think Neil where Neil is good is he'll like supposing he goes now to make a salad, I would just put lettuce, put a bit of vinaigrette and that's it. Neil will look in the larder or the cupboard or whatever and he'll find some nuts or he'll find a old carrot and he will adapt it and he'll elevate it to the other. Yeah, he'll zhuzh it. I love that, he'll zhuzh it. Whereas I will go you know i'm knackered i'm tired we're just going to have some salads you know so that's where neil's very good but we complement each other
2: how did you start on your cooking journey Oh, uh, years ago. You started ago. in Essex, Upminster?
3: Uh, not quite. I did uh, a little bit of stuff there. I started there in the sense I used to cook a load with mum and my grandmother and stuff like that. But started when I was in Cambridge. I went to the Poly there, Seacat, went to the Poly there. We all, like, everyone at... So what am I? I'm 50. So everyone of that... That was probably the last year of free education where I still had a grant. And after we finished, everyone was in debt. So we all stayed another year, worked our debt. And then I started working in a local pub called The Blue Boar, then I worked at The Free Press and then Midsummer House. And after Midsummer House, I started to get serious about it. Um, worked in Barbados for a bit and then came up to work in London. Um, came back sort of home, if you like, worked, lived with my mum and then started working for Gordon and then worked for him for about 20 years, you know, and I suppose what you say, the rest is history, you know, got a restaurant and... Did he shout at you, Andrew? Yes, a few times, has to be said, Bloody yes. Bloody hell,
2: you don't look <laughs> like the sort of woman who would let someone shout at you.
1: I don't think it's whether you let it happen or not yeah, going to yeah, happen. Yeah, yeah,
3: exactly. It sort of happened and, you know, Gordon did like me and we've, we, I mean, we still talk a lot and he's a great mate and stuff like that, but, and because um, I sort of, I wasn't, I wasn't sort of fearful of Gordon in a sense, you know. I, was, um, I would sort of come in and just laugh and sort of random stories. And he sort of liked the fact that I was a bit. Ill. There was one time he was, um, he'd basically told me in a few expletives to sod off the past, but I wasn't allowed to help make this tureen because I was rushing it. And then later that night, we had a film crew in and they were filming Gordon. And he said, Right, Angela, get everything for the terrine," But he didn't want me to help him because I'd messed around and got it all wrong. And then I thought, well, you know what? He's never going to shout at a woman in front of a film crew. So I just stood there and just started helping him. And under his breath, he was literally going, Angela, you know, sod off. You know, you know you're not supposed to. And I was going, yes, Gordon, yes, Gordon. I said, but you're not going to get rid of me, are you? Because there's a film crew here. So he loved that about me that I'd always push it and stuff like that. So...
2: What does the pass mean? I never understood it till Great British Menu, and then they say, ready for the pass, and I didn't know what the
1: pass was. It's just where you pass it on to...
2: Get oh, you just
3: pass it on? Well, it's basically where you plate all the dishes, but exactly that, yeah. you're passing it on to the waiter. So you've done your oh, bit. Okay. Yeah, so it is that exactly like that. Very good, Jess, oh, you I know it all. I
1: realise that. Working with someone like Gordon Ramsay, did it change or did it influence the way that you treated your staff when you became you know when you had your first restaurant and did it change it did you did you follow a lot of Gordon's ways or Style. did you kind of reject them
3: um i think there was probably a little bit of both there i think there's lots of everyone obviously sees the tv side and the shouty side of everything but there were lots of other things that you didn't see about gordon how he would mm. really always support you behind the scenes, you know, and always take care about what you did. And one thing him and another chef, Richard Corrigan, always taught me was sort of not get under the skin, but really know your staff, you know know when they're going on holiday, know if their mum's not well, know if they've got a boyfriend, girlfriend, what their dog's name is, all those sort of things. And, you know, take a real interest, you know. And and also, I think, especially in those days in London, you know, everyone's working hideous hours, which isn't the case these days, travelling fast, so... When someone's late or they've overslept and, you know, they've had an hour journey on the night bus, you know, you've just got to understand all that. And that's what Gordon really sort of did. He said, you know, you just talk to your staff and really get to know them. And then they feel a real sense of loyalty to you. And likewise, you to them, you know, you want to make sure that they want to work for you for all the right reasons. So there was, you know, there was I don't scream and shout. I can be a bit um, sarcastic, shall we say. I can be a bit, you know, I threat, you know, and I'll go things like, I'm going to lob that at your head. But I've always got smiles in my eyes, you know, so I don't sort of mean it. But, um, you know, kitchens are like that in the sense that there's an urgency, you know, so you need to, there's an urgency that you're hearing people's voices, but it's not necessarily aggression or bullying or anything like that.
1: Who taught you to cook um, in your family?
3: Um, I suppose I learned with my mum and my grandmother, you know, I'd sort of, um on my mother's side they're all Italian on my father's side they're Irish and as the eldest granddaughter on my mother's side I always had to help and do all that sort of stuff my brother who's older than me never had to sort of help because he was the boy and the boys don't do anything but the girls had to so I did it all so I learned a lot from my grandmother really so she was a really good cook
1: what was a defining dish that she taught you that you've kind of stuck to
3: oh annalini it's my it's my uh death dish I suppose what dish would I sort of one on my deathbed and it's basically you braise down a piece of sort of beef and maybe some chicken and stuff really slowly slowly then you've got this beautiful lovely stock you take that stock reduce that and add that to breadcrumbs and parmesan and that's your filling now for your sort of little um, anolini so you put that into your pasta and then cook those in a chicken broth and we have it every day every christmas on christmas day and it's become a thing, you know, I was, always used to have to make it with my grandmother and she'd make it for the whole family. She's obviously since passed away. So then my mum and aunt would do it and now I do it. So every time around the 16th, around that time, there's a whole email going out, right, who's helping with the annalini? We all get together as a family. So my cousins come, my uncle comes, partners come. We all make them, freeze them and then everyone has them on Christmas Day.
1: So are your family, where are your family from in Italy? They're
3: from a place called Bardi which is near Parma, uh, Bogotaro, so Emilia-Romagna area, right in that centre, um, you know, near Bologna, that sort of heart. Very much Chris. sort of, yeah, loads of <laughs> pasta.
1: So do you, um, well, this year, fine, we, we, we forget about this year, but do you get to go to Italy still and back to that place a lot
3: Yeah we still go, we still got the house there which was my grandmother's house so that's still there we still go there and everyone sort of uses it um, and then I go to other parts of Italy, I think, I mean I love Italy I do feel like it's the second home in the sense that, you know, I love going down to Sicily, I think that's one of my favourite places because it just feels like it's still back in the 70s, you know shops shut on a Wednesday afternoon there's no shops open on a Sunday morning except the bakers and It's just got a wonderful feel to it. And the food, I think, you know, I mean, I'm sitting down now, but I like eating and, um, you know, it's a, and I just think it's a fantastic culture. It just really is brilliant. Love it out there. It's got everything. It's got the mountains, it's got the sea, it's got the sun, you know, winters, it's just beautiful.
1: So you talked about this being kind of your death meal. Um, So, we, I mean, we may as well just go straight to it. Um, We ask every guest what their last supper is. Um, so you have starter, main, pud, drink of choice.
3: So that would be so starter would be my annolini. It would be this lovely little okay. pasta dish. Okay. That would be we'd have that as a starter. Then I would probably, which sounds bizarre because you're sort of having meat and meat, but I would have just a roast chicken. I just love a sort of roast chicken, proper stuffing, um, that sort of thing. And then I wouldn't have dessert. I'd skip dessert and go straight to cheese. Um, I'm not a big dessert person so I sort I'm of like you. that uh, yeah. bottle of red wine so if yeah. if
1: you're if you're not a big pudding person I mean obviously you'll have somebody that's amazing at puds in all your in, in all your um restaurants but do you kind of I mean obviously you'll taste it you'll know whether you like it or not but could you you kind of just do you go you just do what you
3: like, I trust you. <laughs> well, I mean, basically, I'm very lucky with Em, who's my head chef at Murano. She she does have a, not a sweet tooth, but she likes sweet stuff more than me. So she's got a great palate. I taste it all, and I'll give my opinion. And I'll always say the same thing, and they know it. They'll go, here she goes, too sweet, too sweet, lighten it up, lighten it up, because that's my palate. But also, I say also, I do think people's uh, Pallets have changed over time. I think people want lighter. They don't want real stodgy, heavy desserts. I think people want something light at the end of the meal. So I said, look, you can have your, you know, death by chocolate, you can have your souffles, whatever, but always make sure there's something like fruit based, lighter, That if people want that option. But no, I think you have, it's like I hate coriander. I find that, I think that's the devil's food, but oh, I it's still It's such
2: a funny thing. That. I still have
3: to try it if people put it in a dish. You can't sort of, just because I dislike it, it doesn't mean to say other people can't eat it Isn't it
2: funny It's the but most it's, divisive herb
1: But it's funny Because I don't think I've ever met a chef That said they hate it so Really? So quite like yeah, but that's kind of, it's brilliant, but I swear the recipe that mum does of yours yeah, has bloody coriander, coriander in it.
2: In it so. <laughs> it's that Vietnamese broth with yeah. chicken. It was and in the Guardian. Yeah, the it salmon. was in the Guardian with the salmon. It's my favourite recipe with lemon. Oh, broth.
1: fantastic. Oh no, that's really good. No, no, I do and put ginger. it in dish- But would you just like
3: omit it for yourself? So you'd be like, yeah, yeah, but you just wouldn't put it on yours. As I a wouldn't garnish. put it on my bit. And I don't, I suppose what I don't like, I ha- I've had it in, people have Cook with me and they've cooked coriander, eat it. What I don't like is you know, when you've gone and bought an Indian or something and it's just thrown on this excess, you know, amounts of it. That's what I don't like. But I can eat some of it. But it's not, I would never choose it. But it, you're exactly like, it's Marmite. And apparently people who like coriander are smarter than people who don't. So says my brother. <laughs> so oh, thanks well, for
2: that.
1: There you go. Angela, I hate to break it to you, but yeah, I tend to agree. Um, I just want to know, because you're in Spitterfield, you know, you're in a hub of so much great food. Where are some of your favourite local spots that you'll go that you love around your area?
3: So uh, St. John Bread and Wine is the first place, literally round the corner from my house and Froak, the head chef there. So I love that place. Um, I also love um, Somsar. You see, ironically, Thai restaurant. Lots of coriander, but loads of coriander. But they know me, so they'll take it off the dish that I have, which oh, is really oh, sweet friendly. of them. That's brilliant, which is really they're good. They're sea bass, they're yeah. all fish or what they do. It's oh, just I, love that. I love, I love that sort of dish, you know. Um, I like a sort of tram shed. Oh, well, used to, oh, there's a great place near Mark Hicks doesn't have it, but a lovely place called Popolo, which is this sort of um, it, Italian Spanish place down by, um. Oh, Rivington Street. And then across the river is a great place called Leggera, Legare, excuse me, um, which is this amazing Italian restaurant, really, by St. Catherine's Dock. So, yeah, we can walk to anywhere. And, you know, it's just we're very, very... I think London's like that, though. I think London now... I'm a lot older than you, Jess, that when I was sort of... um, Working on a Saturday, uh, you know, all those years for Gordon, Sunday, you could only eat in the West End. There was no really local restaurants. But I think every neighborhood now in London has got, you know, I know at Brixton, yeah. you've got Salon, you've got all these lovely, amazing places, Levan, you know. And you know every little neighbourhood has got its own place that you don't need to go into the central London anymore, which is great. I think that's
1: a lovely, a lovely shout out to Nicholas, the head chef. Yeah, I, I mean, I love, I love what they're doing. Salon, salon, I love. Yeah. And Lavanna did a bloody good DIY home kit. um, Yeah. And actually, have you? I don't know if you've eaten Larry's yet, but it's really brilliant. They do this amazing chicken liver parpadeli. I'm gonna, I'm sure it was freaking great.
2: One day we'll go
1: to a restaurant again. Yes. And we'll go to the French house. We'll go and eat. Oh, Oh my God. And I'm staying there all night, all day and night, I tell you.
3: So how did you and your partner meet? And we worked together years ago. So I used to run the the Connaught Hotel, um, the restaurant there. Neil started working for me. And we always got on really well. We always, you know, whenever I did sort of outside events, I'd always take Neil. One, because he was really good and organised and stuff. And two because he was just great company. And then he went to work in France um, for about five years. And I used to go out and see him once a year just to see him and when he came back. And we, But it wasn't till because he's quite a bit younger than me, it wasn't until he was in his 30s and I was in my 40s that we sort of got together. Um, and we didn't, for the record, get together while we were still working together. I was a very good boss. I did not abuse that position.
1: <laughs> oh, I was just thinking about the rom-com that you could write. Come on. <laughs>
3: The right
1: <laughs> <laughs> so um so growing up it was your grandma in the kitchen and 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 you were learning nonna. to cook nonna was it was she your nonna yeah or yeah you yeah, call her nonna? yeah. Oh. and when did you know that you were a foodie or that you were going to kind of I mean I know at university after that but um, what was like the first dish that you would make on your own, apart from this starter that you'd make with your nonna? What was like your go-to dish that you'd kind of give the family?
3: Probably something like a roast, something like that. Probably, you know, because I'd help, because my dad died when we were quite young. You know, I was I was nearly eight and stuff, and mum had three kids under 10. So I used to help her a lot, and um, I'd help her. And I'd, I used to like making a roast, and I was quite good in the sense that I could get it all together at the same time. Whereas I think my mum's a fantastic cook, she really is, but her organisation of that sort of timing is where she always says she'd never do it in a professional kitchen. But um, And I think I did sort of always want to do it when I was sort of late teens. I always said, oh, I fancy running a restaurant. My family ran fish and chip shops, so I liked the idea of running a business. I thought that was quite a cool way that you made money, you owned your own business, you were the boss Um, But mum always said, go to Cordon Bleu School or go to France, really learn the trade. But I said, oh, I just want to go and do a history degree i didn't want to start work straight away so i wanted to just take study a bit so that's what i did and then after that just learn on the job really
1: i wanted to ask because we were talking about home cooks just then yeah. which segues perfectly into good, the tv show good. that you're a
3: part of so please tell us all a bit about it so best home cook is um uh with mary berry claudia Winkleman, and chris Bavin. i've watched you on it yes yeah and they did us. Uh, did you like it do you enjoy it I do. Oh. I think some of the
2: cooks are not very good. Oh. And they're astonishingly bad. They make things like fish cakes with like tins fish or something. You know, it's kind of various... Why is that a bad thing? No, but some of them are so bad, Jessie, you don't know why. It's like some me going on a talent competition yeah. to sing. yeah and I can't sing, they actually can't cook well, and they're on a cooking programme. What do you
1: think, Angela, seeing you, you as think? you are one of the judges? Do you think mum's being a bit harsh?
3: I think you've got a point that some of them... So where I think you've seen it, and you're absolutely right, is there's three, I suppose, rounds in each programme. Yeah. So Mary always does one where they cook their ultimate dish so they've got time to practise, they can, you know, their ultimate birthday cake or their ultimate, you know, fish supper... Then Chris, and this is the one that always catches them out, is the um, what he calls the rustle-up because, you know, Chris is, yes. by nature, uh, uh, his first business was fruit and veg man, no waste. And so he will literally look in a sort of, you know, a cupboard and go, right, let's give them a tin of tuna, which he did. And it floored yes. them. And then they have a, basically a sort of larger of ingredients that they all have and they have to come up with a dish because that's the whole point is. And I think people actually we should see better results as a result of lockdown because I think people have all gone in their freezer and God, God, what is in that plastic bag that I froze three months ago? Or shall I use that tin of something I bought that I've never used in two years? So people are much better at it, of adapting, but it does sort of catch people out. And then my round is what we call the um, eliminator, where we decide who sort of goes home, um, which is always a fun round. Um... (laughs) I want to know, what would you do with a tin of tuna? I, I mean, would, I know um, you do
1: lots of things, but just what would... Off the top of your head, what would you do with a tin of tuna? I would tuna? make a pasta
3: sauce with a tin of tomatoes. If I had a tin of tomatoes, I would cut onion and garlic really fine, saute it off, make a tomato sauce, then toss in the tuna at the end and put it with the tomato.
2: Like a kind of a tuna puttanesca with a few olives in. Yeah.
3: And you're away. That's really
2: good. I also good, love
1: that, that salad that you do with cannellini beans and onions Oh, and yeah, lovely, yeah. I'd have that
3: too. I no, love it. No, that's really but, um, good.
1: So this week starts the celebrity best home cook, yep. who's on it?
3: Desiree's on it, um, Ed Balls is on it, Ed Burns is on it, um, Boris Johnson's, Rachel, Rachel Johnson's on it. So
1: are any of these, are any of these chefs any good?
3: Cooks, Actually, cooks? well, interestingly, your mum said that first sort of series or second series wasn't, some of them weren't great cooks. I, I'm, I'm blown away by how good some of these chefs, or these celebrities were, I have to say. I didn't, you know, and I'll fess up that there's a couple of them made some dishes that I afterwards went to the HomeX because obviously we get all the HomeX doing the setup and it was even more conscious this time with all the COVID regulations. And I literally said, Lisa, you know, send me that recipe. I really want to try that. You know, some of them made some really good stuff actually. So um, it was really competitive, yeah.
1: Now, you've been really prominent in this campaign, Seat at the Table, which I'd love you to talk about a bit more for people that maybe didn't sign up, that potentially could still sign up. Can you explain a little bit about it? So
3: Seat at the Table, um, about four months ago, Claire Bossé s- started a petition to government to get a hospitality minister. Because without sort of bleating on about how everyone suffered, because I think everyone has suffered in some degree in COVID. No one's immune from this. Um, You know, we are a huge employer, third biggest employer in the UK, over 3 million people, and especially 3 million people under 30, you know, really do. And I think everyone, I'm sure everyone at some stage has worked in something in hospitality, whether it's behind the bar in a pub, in a coffee shop. You know, we've all done it before we've done something else. Um, And then Robin... Hudson, who runs Linewood Hotel and the Pigs, took the mantle on because we only got to 40,000 signatures, which was terrible. And basically, he runs, he has a lot of um, budding entrepreneurs, these young guys that work for him. And, and they basically got in touch with everyone, people like me that I work with, Robin. And we've basically inundated social media, you know, with people like Tom Kerridge, Tom Kitching, Claire Smith. Um, As Khan, everyone's sort of sitting there saying why they think we need a a government member sitting at the table at Parliament and, you know, sitting around the government table. So we've got the petition, the debate was won. which is fantastic. People can still sign up. Doesn't mean we've got the minister because the way it works is government only has a certain amount of um, posts, if you like, and it's down to them. But we're keeping the pressure on and what we're hoping is we'll get an interim minister, someone that will sort of work to get us out of, you know, the positives, get us out of COVID situation, renewal of the industry, moving forward. And then... Just
2: then... have an eye on your interests, really.
3: Yeah, exactly. Because I think what you will have heard, as everyone has heard oh, they just go pubs and restaurants, pubs and restaurants, where where hospitality is so much more than pubs and restaurants. You know, there's outside catering events, there's the coffee shop, there's the bakers that sell coffee, there's Mm -hmm. hotels, there's, you know, bed and breakfast, you know, that is all hospitality. So to lump it in so small and such small divisions, you know, and one size fits all hasn't worked. So anyone who can, please sign up, please send your petition to as many people as possible because oh, the more signatures we get. We'll we'll
1: put the um, swipe up on our Insta story Brilliant. so anybody can do it there. Otherwise, just yeah. go on to Angela's Twitter. Thank you. And um, you'll be able to find it there. Absolutely. Um, now, Angela, I wanted to know, you talk a lot about Italian cuisine. You cook a lot, you know, Cafe Morano Um Are there any other countries that you adore the food? I mean, it's a really stupid question, but is there another country that you will go to on holiday,
3: particularly for the food? Uh, Japan. Easy answer. Japan. Oh God. I love Japanese. Hundred year old eggs. Yeah. Oh <laughs> hey, mum,
1: get with the bloody times. Jesus. <laughs> bloody sushi. Yeah. Sushi's a freaking great mum. <laughs> <Boy. laughs> She's so, honestly, this woman She's such a great chef, but she's so <laughs> narrow-minded, I tell you. <laughs> I'm with the roast chicken.
3: <laughs> but the Japanese food has such a huge variety, you know, from sushi to, um, you know, when they eat the blowfish, you know, then they've got, you know, tempura bars, you know, everything. I love it. I think, and just the culture out there, I think, is fantastic. So I love Japanese food. And Emma, who is my head chef, I mentioned her before, she's getting married two years' time. Um, to her girlfriend, they're getting married out in uh, Thailand, and I've never been before. So I'm hoping we're going to take a month off and so I'm gonna gonna going to go to Thailand. Yeah. Vietnam, Great you know, food. Laos. I'd really want to go and see that. Eat All the coriander in the world, you know, that would be amazing. <laughs> maybe
1: you'll come back loving it. I know, <laughs> maybe coriander. I will,
3: maybe I will. So I'm really excited for you now. that.
1: Um, Angela, what is a guilty pleasure of yours? Or do you have no guilty pleasures when it comes to eating?
3: My worst guilty pleasure is crisps. If you can argue them as a guilty pleasure. <gasps> love crisps. And, Aren't they the best? But thing I love on the flavour
1: and what plain is the brand?
3: crisps. Plain crisps. I'm very regimented. I don't like fancy flavours, just like salted crisps. And the real guilty pleasure is a crisp sandwich. It has to be said. You know. <gasps>
2: crisp sandwich. Angela Hart. <laughs> I love it. White bread.
3: It's the best thing. White bread. White bread. You know, really, you know, the rubbish white bread that everyone says we shouldn't have, you know that's It's like that's the best bacon the best. sandwich, all this sourdough nonsense, sorry, just white bread on certain <laughs> yeah. things is the best. you've got to you've got to
1: well, I do I mean, I'm sure you've tried it, the sons and daughters um egg mayo and truffle well, actually, you may not want it because it's a truffle crisp.
3: oh, that's oh, a bit fancy. is it good? egg
1: mayonnaise on a big like block of good, good white bread, yeah, it's blocky bread, yeah, with truffle crisps
2: inside, it, yeah. so bloody good.
3: Oh, that does yeah, sound good. Yeah, they put crisps
2: inside. Do you, do you drink, Angela? Do I drink? Yeah, tea-todler? too much,
3: probably. No, drink too much. Like red wine.
2: Italian wine?
3: Oh, uh, Any wine, really. I'm not that fussed about Italian or French it doesn't or whatever. Discriminate. Just wine from a bottle. It's quite, you know, magnums of it. No, no. And then I do like, I'm partial to, never used to really like gin and tonic, but I do quite like a gin and tonic. And after too, this, I too. may just go and have one with some crisps in a little bowl. <laughs>
1: Oh, gorgeous. See, Angela, we're like, well, I am. My mum takes the piss out of me, but I have two young children and I love eating dinner at five o'clock. Like, it's my joy. But it's very un, kind of, it's not very bohemian. It's, it's not because I'll be in bed at nine. So I just kind of love this idea of Angela Hartnett in her place in Spitterfields with her G&T, her bag of crisps. And she's just thinking about what they're going to rustle up from the larder. It's too romantic. I love it. What is your favourite takeaway At the moment, what have you been going back to a lot?
3: Um, I do think Indian Takeaway is amazing. I think there's some fantastic ones out there. There's a great one. Well, sort of more... Well, maybe not quite your neck of the woods. There's a place in Sheen, sort of... um, kingston way called dastan and he's an ex-chef of mine sanjay has set it uh opened it up with um his partner nan and they do incredible stuff they both used to work for the jim khaner guys so you know their pedigree and how they've trained obviously both indian guys learned so much from their families at home and their food is exceptional it's brilliant i think jim khaner itself is a fantastic and and i think um the guys do um it's uh lyle's and and they've got a place in motu yeah and they do these fantastic asap pizzas which we tried as well so they oh, they tried that so they basically have got a place in borough market which i've now forgotten god my memory is going mad anyway they've Mine a sister too. restaurant in borough market who do this what they call asap pizzas and they're brilliant really real proper american based pizzas really delicious fillings and toppings so that's That's been a really good one. So we have been very lucky. We've had lots of great friends send us lots of boxes. Um, so we were very fortunate in lockdown.
1: Angela, do you think that you have good table manners?
3: Yes, I do. I'm constantly harping on at Neil because Neil's terrible... It's like he'll start eating, standing up, you know, he's putting stuff on the table and starts eating because he really enjoys food. But it drives me nuts. And I always say to him, did your sister always steal your food? You know, you can't eat quick enough, you know. So, but um, no, I do. I like to think I've got good table manners. I can rush my food like all chefs. We all eat too quickly because we're all gobbling. But I try and take time.
1: And um, and I guess maybe you've just answered it, but what's the worst table manner that you see in other people, or do you see something at your restaurants where you're just like,
3: if you fucking do that, I'm gonna spit in your fucking main course. Jesse,
2: stop swearing.
3: I don't necessarily see them meat, but I do. I do like the fact that we have at Morana, we have what we call a chef's table. So it's like a table of twelve people. They get to look into the kitchen. Um, and we always go and introduce the menu. We do a special menu for them. And interesting, you go out and you will see twelve phones, literally, all on the table. And I might start talking about the menu, and someone's on their phone, so I will stop and go, "Excuse me, I'm talking. Do you mind?" <laughs> I mean, I they're do. Probably
1: taking photos of the food. Were they taking photos of the menu? Yeah,
3: no, no, no. They're whatever. But I say, "Excuse me," and they go, "Oh yeah, sorry, sorry." I say, "Come on, you know, come on, put your phones away, converse." I think phones are bad in restaurants. Not, listen, I'm not going to stop it. I do it, social media. But we try when we go out now to not, especially when there's like four of you and everyone goes, oh, taking phones photos. It's ridiculous. So we try and avoid using phones in restaurants. I just think um, it's, you know, it's company, isn't it? That's the whole point of going out is conviviality, not to sit on your phone.
1: Where will be the first restaurant that you go back to, apart from one of your own, Oh, um, and sit down for a celebratory post-lockdown
3: meal? Oh, my God. I... I God, I thought about that the other day. Oh, yeah, this new place. If you haven't been, you've got to go, both of you. So it's called Cole, K-O-L. Is that how you would pronounce it?
1: Santiago Lastra.
3: Yes, What a wonderful, wonderful human being. Oh, that. I went there. So after the first lockdown, it opened. I went there, I was invited. And then, I mean, I just want to go back again. It was just... Brilliant! Is it yeah, delicious. What really. sort
1: of food? Well, you explain, Andrew. So sort of
3: Mexican, Mexican food, but just fresh beyond belief. He's got his own um, tacker's sort of oven there that he makes all his stuff. Um, he does this beautiful like bean and um, pig stew. It's it's absolutely delicious. It's but so he's so also good. Also
1: using all um, locally sourced. Ingredients, so you won't see an avocado on the menu. Yes, so yes. his guacamole is like a pistachio guacamole, yes. as opposed to avocado. Even though I didn't know that you could get pistachios in the UK, so yes. Santiago, maybe yes. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but yeah, and um, but there's this uh, langoustine um, oh, taco. Gosh. Did you try that? Where you suck the well, head? Where mm. do
2: they oh. get those locally? Down the Thames? Thames? No, not oh. down the Thames, oh, Mum. Oh, I mean sorry. locally.
1: I mean like you know. Oh, in England, or England, UK. Scotland, yeah, the UK.
3: He's using sort of all his t- techniques and the style of Mexican food, but he's trying to use as many British produce. And what was brilliant, he basically trialled it all for about a year in his back garden. He put a tent in his back garden up in his flat in North London. And, you know, you went now to dinner and he, you just went out into the sort of tyre pooling out the back that sort of erected and he was making everything. I mean, it was just fantastic. So I really want to go back there.
1: Oh, Angela, it's been such a pleasure to chat to you. Oh, it's lovely
3: um, to speak to you two. Really fantastic. I mean that about the French house, and I'm also going to Speaking. Send you a box for uh, February, so we get them on a Friday. So you let me know which Friday in February you'd like it, and we'll get a box sent out. Any
2: Friday, (laughs) Angie. We're not (laughs) desperate. Not busy. Not doing anything.
1: But it's been honestly such a pleasure to meet you. Likewise. um, Wish you all the best with the hospitality minister. Thank you. And you know the restaurants, and just can't wait to be able to dine in one of your wonderful restaurants. Oh, that's no, that's really kind. Angela Hartnett, really cool. She was so warm, wasn't she? Just delightful. What a wonderful woman and just so nice to get her tastes of London and just, it's exciting just talking about restaurants, even though it's maybe far in the future, but hey. She's talking about May. That is bleak. Um, so thank you Angela Hartnett And if you want to watch Celebrity Best Home Cook It starts. It started yesterday So I'm sure you can catch it On a catch up on demand That was really lovely to chat to her She's cool I can imagine her not. I think ta- she be good fun Good fun We're going to go to the French house Jessie I wouldn't mind going from the My big one there The, chef's, the table? chef's table um, We hope you're alright Thank you Angela Hartnett This has been a pleasure to speak to her and um, well done, Mum, for getting the vaccine today. I'm very, very happy. So, listen, we did an advert a while ago to promote "It's a Sin" on Channel Four. Little did we know. Little did we know that it's
2: amazing.
1: We were excited about it. The line up was phenomenal. Russell T Davies, come on, like you know, it it it's going to be, be great. Better, yeah. It is one of the best things I've ever watched. It's so heartbreaking. It's so beautiful. It's so important. And the acting's amazing. Ollie Alexander. It's just, I mean, all the characters, you just love them. Colin. I mean, I'm not going to say anything. Everything. Everything about it, I just adore. And I'm trying to really savour it. But I know we did an advert for it. But I just wanted to kind of remind people that haven't watched it yet. Just everyone go and watch It's a Sin on Channel 4. Everyone take care. Please keep on bringing in your drag queen names for my mother. I think Chestnut Stifado is pretty, pretty top notch, to be honest. I'm there for Muff Diger. Anyway, uh, yeah, take care. Lots of love. Supermanners is produced by Alice Williams.